Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Welcome in, Bears fans, to this episode of Bear Bones. I am Mason West, and we have Danny Meehan here as well. Danny, how you doing? I'm good, Mace. How about yourself? Eh, not too bad. I'm actually I'm a little tired today. I don't know why. I didn't sleep well, played basketball this morning. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I'm with you. I came off shift this morning, and I went and had every intent of doing like a shoulder and leg day, and I was just like, I am not feeling this. So I went, made an active rest and just kind of got a shoot around in for myself. Yeah, not, not too shabby at all. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a weird episode, right? I mean, it's a Saturday morning that we're recording this, so, you know, the exactness of the injury report isn't isn't out quite yet. Um, also, we wanted to get you an episode still, even though, you know, there's holidays and they're playing on Monday night and yada, yada, yada. So this is going to be kind of more of a laid back, just chatting about the state of the Bears and this upcoming game. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting matchup. <laughs> In primetime again, primetime Bears. Yeah, I'm very much over primetime bears right now. I I don't need to, the world to see the ineptitude that keeps happening every year. Um, one thing I did find interesting though, right? Because you look at last week against the Lions, which we're not again we're not going to talk a ton ton about, but the Lions played the Packers. Packers beat the Lions on Thanksgiving. Uh, one one thing that stood out watching that game was how the Packers handled Aiden Hutchinson. You know, there's multiple plays where you see. Tight end chip, left tackles there, center pulling. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a running back. I mean, there's more than one set of eyes uh, on Aiden Hutchinson. But you know, in one of the most pressure packed parts of the game, on for the uh, at the end of the game, lines are up by three, and you put your top right tackle Darnell right on an island against Aiden, who just takes his lunch and gets to Justin for the strips, strip sack and the safety ultimately. But to me, that's mm-hmm. how do you not at least have Again, a chip help. How do you not have the hot route in the direction of of Aiden Hutchinson so your eyes are constantly on him? Things of that nature. I mean, I have no answer for you because we're not in those meeting rooms. I don't think we should have any confidence that Luke Getzey has a semblance of a clue of what's going on at least 20% of the time, let alone the whole, you know, Drew Barrymore and 50 first dates thing that I've already referenced at nauseum. Just we just forget things that work. Don't know why, but we just do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating. Um, and then, of course, the the narrative to start the week is how much of that fell on Justin for that game, how much you know was on coaching, how much was on defense. And it's an exhausting point to talk about. We're not going to belabor it here, but obviously we tend to be a relatively pro-Justin podcast. <laughs> um, and this he, he didn't lose that game. Did he win it? No. But at the same time, the play calls are the play calls. And if you call an RPO and, you know, the, the end stays out or the, 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 the man you're reading stays out and Justin decides to hand the ball off and you get a two-yard gain, why, that's not Justin's fault. That's the play that was put in front of him. He's not going to keep the ball when the read doesn't tell him to do so. I also so it's very conservative wanna... in the play call at the end of the game. I th- that and it's like I want to know when it's okay for us to blame somebody else for the team's shortcomings. Yeah. Justin did more than everything in his power. He had what 280 combined yards, a touchdown pass. He 
he did everything in his power to make them win the football game. At a certain point, Tyler Scott has to not stumble or, or slow up. At a certain point, someone else has to do something that isn't named DJ Moore or isn't named Justin Fields. That like it's a team game. Like we're seeing it now where we're we don't obviously Patrick Mahomes gets every bad benefit of the doubt, but we're not talking about the fact that he's seventh in the EPA per play as a quarterback right now. Yeah. Not not his usual one or two. And it's because Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez Scantling. We give him the benefit of that and we give him the excuses versus you flip you flip it on, on its head for someone like Justin Fields or whoever it might be, and you won't just say, Yeah, Tyler Scott has to make that damn play. And then you got his coach almost like bus tossing Justin for his footwork on a throw that was fine. Like I I'm just over this whole this whole regime at this point. It's maddening. It's, you know, I mentioned, obviously, I played uh, some pickup basketball today, and I don't particularly care, right, if the person on my team makes their shot. It could be a gross shot, you know, that the form's abhorrent, you know, it was a fadeaway that maybe shouldn't have been a fadeaway. But if they consistently hit with those, those mechanics or if they, when the time comes, they do what they need to do, I'm fine with it. I couldn't care less. So if Justin can get that kind of a ball out in front of Tyler Scott, consistently with that footwork, even if it was off by whatever, 10% of what gets he wanted. I, I don't care. I just straight up don't. And this is where I, I've brought it up before, but the Bruce Arians thing at a certain point, just let the player be the player. Stop trying to make everything mechanical. And this is this because coach said this, and this is how my footwork should be because that's what the, that's what the sports sciences show is the most effective, effective, efficient way of doing it. That's how you break players. That's how you break athletes from being who they are. You know, it's really interesting when you look at the, sc- the scope right now of the NFL. I was looking at next-gen stats, just you know, potentially going to pull some stuff here. Um, but there's nothing like huge that stood out for some of these players outside of when you look at right now, um, I went to completion percentage, and there's an interesting group of quarterbacks kind of clumped around the same group. Uh, you have Justin Fields at 62.7%. CJ Stroud at 62.8 and Joshua Jobs at 63.5. And I just kind of did a scan across just to see what else was going on there. You know, we are applauding and rightly so what CJ Stroud is doing because what he's doing, you know, being a rookie, uh, helping us on his team, you absolutely give him his flowers. I also put the offensive coordinator, give him a a big hand. I gave that offensive line who has one of the best left tackles in the game, give him, uh, you know, some positives there. And also they surrounded him with some pretty solid, not great, but solid receiving tight end talent. Tank Dell hive of, on this uh, podcast. Oh my right? God, yes. I want to tank Dell so bad. <laughs> you know, then you look at, you know, passer rating, right? Justin Fields is at a 93.3. CJ Stroud's at a 99.3. Josh Jobs at an 84.7. You know, it's he, the, the things that, and yes, uh, pass rating is not a perfect stat. You know, that's why a lot of people use QBR a lot more. Uh, that's not on next gen. So I don't have that directly in front of me. But, I mean, you still look at the fact that Justin has 12 touchdowns to C.J. Stroud's 17. Uh, Jordan Love has two more touchdowns this year, but Justin missed a good chunk of games. You look at the fact that Justin this year, even passing yards, he's at 1370. I mean, that's, yes, 1,000 or actually 1,600 less than a C.J. Stroud, but that's also on about 200 less attempts. So whether it was the injury or the fact that also the way that the, the play calling is dictated – he doesn't get to pass as much. You can look mm-hmm. at that Lions game. There was three called dropbacks in that Lions game, one of which was the, the miss to Tyler Scott, or Tyler Scott's miss, I should say. One was a scramble that he had that he danced at, and that for some reason people were freaking out about in a negative way, and then the one sack. You just I, not give, give him opportunities yeah. to prove what who he is or isn't. Can we also uh, point out the psychotic behavior that is him playing the air guitar with deadpan face, no expression, nothing, just... Like what? What? Like it's okay to smile. Just <laughs> you're playing very well. Your team is at this point in the game winning. <laughs> but then it connects to it. So like, I would love for him to have fun. But when he does even have a semblance of fun, you have people that attack him. Where you're like, the game's not over yet. Why are you dancing? But oh, you have another quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers, like a uh, even like a Kirk Cousins. You know, it's just anyone. You know, they get a first down. They throw the big first down. You know, hands and it's like. Yeah, like he's showing heart. He's showing passion. Why are we attacking the dude for having fun when he just did what – he just took the team on his back in that moment, got the first down, and put them in field goal range? 
Again, I think it's the you earn the right to have fun kind of thing when you're good and consistently good. Like it, you're kind of you're kind of allowed to in a way, along with other factors. But you know, you know, and so here's this was floating around some social media too, and I wanted to highlight it. Uh, these are some of Justin's stats in games that the Bears did not win. So in 2021 against the Vikings, he had 320 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions with a 96.6 pass rating. In 2022 against the Vikings, he had 255 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions with 118.8 pass rating. In 2022 versus the Dolphins, 301 touchdowns, yards, excuse me, 301 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 106.7 passer rating. There's like seven more of these. So I'm going to do one more. Um, and then ultimately, let's do, oh yeah, against the Eagles. Very good team. 247 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 119.5 passer rating. Again, those are games that the Bears did not win. So going, the, the reason I bring that up is I hate when people try to use wins as a quarterback stat. Does the quarterback have usually the biggest effect on win-loss? Sure, yes, the ball's in their hand more often than not. But when you put up, and again, 314 yards and four touchdowns and one interception, you should be winning that game if you're, the rest of your team is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's such a lazy, unnuanced narrative to just be like, oh, well, quarterback who has been erratic since his drafting despite – or with factoring in his coaching and his surroundings up until this last game has been boomer bust. Like, and now you're just like, Oh, I can't believe he's struggling and not winning games after everything he has been told to deal with. And I mean, the other number I was going to bring up, I think it's like when you combine like value of quarterback, I, I, I might be misspeaking on the stat, but it's like, Combining completion completion percentage over expected along with EPA per play, he's been a top five quarterback in the league since week three in his starts. Like, it's not like he's a bad football player. I can confidently say at this point in his career, he is a starting NFL quarterback at least in the top 16 to 18 range. And the only reason he's that low is because we don't know where he's got peaks and valleys. His peaks are unreal. His valleys leave you wanting to tear your hair out. Like, it's just the nature of who he is, but it's like we're so ready to just cast him aside and be like, hey, we want to do this again. When the the guy that everyone's claiming is this next generational quarterback prospect, I'm not saying they're the same sort of prospect because they're not. Caleb's probably a little bit better than Justin was coming out in terms of readiness for the NFL, but the issues that they share are very similar. The time to throw, the off-platform stuff, the stuff. T- time to, the time to get through the reads, all that jazz. I mean, like you said, I, you know, there's a lot of pun- draft pundits that I heavily listen to and believe in because they're very good at what they do in terms of analyzing mm-hmm. the game. And yeah. they have said things, right, like Caleb Williams or even like a Drake May. You can throw both their names into that. Are better prospects than arguably Justin was coming out. Because right? they were just as good as Trevor Lawrence, just as good as potentially Andrew Luck, all that jazz. But at the end of the day, the caveat, the little asterisk you have on there is that it's prospect. And so could those two ultimately have a hot, do they have a higher ceiling than Justin has right now? Essentially, it depends on how you look at your spectrum. What is their floor? I have no idea. At the end of the day, we don't know the range of this and where any particular person's going and to we, fall. We still also need to get to a point where we need to stop ignoring rushing yards. It's the league that we live in. Quarterbacks are going to run. You saw it happen for years with Lamar Jackson, and now Lamar's on his middle finger to her, where he's just giving everyone the bird with this new offense and Todd Monken, and it's awesome. I'm here. I'm, Lamar's one of my favorite draft prospects at quarterback I've ever evaluated, and I'm so happy to see him doing this after he got his money. And, no, how, and how dumb does the league look that after he requested his trade, everyone was like, yeah, no, we're not interested. Sorry. Like, all right. It's it, it's a weird combo of there's, you know, the people who want that old school sits in the pocket quarterback. Those don't exist anymore. Which don't really exist anymore. But then, because then you look around the league and like the people you would consider the top quarterbacks don't even necessarily do that. Patrick Mahomes is not just slicing and dicing you from inside the pocket. 
he's running around and doing stuff. Obviously, he he manipulates the pocket well and he plays very well in there. But he's not like just three three steps, five steps, seven steps. Ball is out. Ball is thrown and walk up to line of scrimmage. Do it again. Those guys just don't exist anymore. No, like in the and the ones that do, what happens? They get their ass kicked because they can't move. There's a reason we've transitioned away from that sort of quarterback in this NFL. And you know, and we've seen more recently. So take the the Brock Purdy's of the world who have a Kyle Shanahan at head coach. Take the Tua Tungavailoas who have a uh, McDaniel's at head coach. Take the Let's go with oh, even like a Kirk Cousins and Josh Dobbs, Kevin, yeah, Kevin like who's Connell, who's yeah. been having his as Kevin O'Connell. So transitioning this a little bit, who for you is your who could take Justin and have that Tua Tungavailoa effect? Not like you know in the way that Tua is doing it, but just taking Justin and saying, okay, this is what you do best. We're gonna do what you do best, and we're gonna go and we're gonna roll forward. If the Bears cool. end up sticking with him. My two answers that I immediately gravitate towards are two very different ends of the spectrum. The first one is Jim Harbaugh, who wants to run the football, wants to, you know, play a more, for lack of better terminology, old school variation of football, who has experience with a quarterback somewhat similar to Justin Fields and Colin Kaepernick years ago. And I'm not saying it's what I do. I'm not saying it's what I want. I'm just answering the question in in its truest form. The other name I gravitate to is the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. And uh, that's Brian Johnson. Not Ben, who's everyone's love child that are, that is apparently uh, can't miss, will be the next greatest head coach ever prospect in Detroit. Um, but everywhere Brian Johnson's been, the quarterback play has gotten better. He was a quarterback himself. He's working with the quarterback, I think, whose growth growth arc and projection is the most similar to Justin Fields in Jalen Hurts, who just got paid at the time of his extension, what was the richest deal in NFL history at the quarterback position, which was then topped twice after he signed it, just to show you what the, what the value of a quarterback is. But I'm not – like. J- Jalen Hurts makes more big boy throws now than he ever did, but that's not like what he was doing in year three. No. Like it was a steady growth, and we need to get past this point of if they're not CJ Stroud, if they're not Justin Herbert, if they're not Joe Burrow year two because he missed most of year one with that ACL, that they're that they're doomed. Like no, it's it's a growth process, guys, because the the offensive styles and what these kids are asked to do at the younger levels is nowhere near what the NFL is asking them to do anymore. It's like two – you're playing separate sports almost with the with the sort of game. It's also incredibly frustrating when – and I know we've, we've probably beat this to death, but when you look at some of those people you're talking about, like take the Jalen Hurts, take the Josh Allen to an extent, take a Patrick Mahomes even. Uh, like The teams that they blended into were so much better than what Justin blended into as a Bear, right? It's – the Eagles have the best offensive line – and defensive line in the game. They went out and got – they had Devontae Smith, a first-round pick, and then they went out and got an A.J. Brown. You know, the they Bills had are, Dallas Goddard, who's one of the best tight ends in football. And he was the backup they, for a while, right? I mean, he was the backup because they had uh, – oh, my God, what's his name? In Arizona Hertz. now. Um, Hertz. Zach, yeah, Hertz. Like, just – Patrick Mahomes went into onto a playoff Chiefs team. After, that had Tyreek Hill and Kelsey – after the offense the year prior was the first offense ever to have a thousand yard receiver, thousand yard tight end, thousand yard thousand yard running back, and a four thousand yard quarterback, which was Alex Smith. That's the that's the offense that got Matt Nagy the Bears job. Yeah. We, I guess we, I'm just sick of people looking at the the entire arc of Justin's career and smashing it into a single thing of saying, look at his win loss record, look at his passing yards, look at his touchdowns, look at his whatevers, because the first year was a joke and it was a waste of time. Second year was a complete teardown. And then the third year, which is in this year where we want to see some leaps, it didn't even start on the right track. The offensive line was hurt from the get-go, right? I mean, and then Getsy was calling this offense that was not a Justin Fields offense. You, I don't care what your bread and butter is, you, then, but you have to, you know, cultivate 
and change your offense if it you have and how and he, instead of the other way around. It's as simple as that. I think it's fair to say, like we're not absolving Justin of any no. blame here. He shoulders his own percentage of blame, like not getting the ball out, just think things of that nature. And you're going to have to live with those things. But it's I I want this to be a more nuanced conversation of isn't it just entirely not po- plausible but possible that he might just be a one of one that he's the guy that can overcome these circumstances because we're seeing him overcome these circumstances like and i can already see how this is going to go he's going to get traded in the offseason like everyone's going to get their wish and he's going to go on with i don't know Atlanta's the easy one because he just fits there so seamlessly and just goes nuclear. And everyone's going to be like, I can't believe he's doing it. It's like, you really, you can't? You can't believe it? And so, Like I said, it's okay to say you can doubt it and the percentages of him being here are very low in comparison to what I believe they should be because of the pick that is the Panthers pick. But this idea that just throw him away is so like it's it lacks thought. It's just all right. Well, they have the pick. Might as well just go take him again. Take go take the new guy. Yeah, and that new guy is still going to be put into a onto a Bears team that is very mid at best, at, uh, roster wise, if not lower. You still are going to have to – you don't have a true wide receiver, too, at this point because we haven't even talked about this, right? Darnell Mooney, uh, a little disgruntled recently, but also is not on contract. So who's your wide receiver, too? Your left tackle is, while solid, is not an all-star left tackle. You still – you're going to need a new center. You're going to – your linebacker and core has issues here and there. You still don't have – Yannick Ngakwe should be gone because he's been ineffective. Plus, you're not going to bring him back. So now you need another edge. You still need a three-tech. I'm guy. You're gonna need safety work help. Like I can go on and on with holes you have on your team, and, and you're bringing and slapping and a rookie into that. The thing you want to hang your hat on the running game. The reason it's so effective is because the guy who's playing quarterback, like so much of that, is elevated because he's here. Speaking of the run game, I know we're not doing the love it, hate it, yeah. rehabilitate it, but for me, the run game would would have been my rehabilitated. Because when I went back and watched the film of that game, there were so many times that there was like missed assignments where it went from a, you know, could have been a three yard gain to mm-hmm. a touchdown. Two that come to mind. Uh, one was a run to the right. I think Herbert was running it. And Tyler Scott, just his man ran across the formation uh, who he was supposed to block. And then Tyler Scott just ran out and didn't block anybody instead of finding the color in front of him and would have sprung that for a touchdown. The second one was when they pulled Darnell right. And instead of running up into, I think it was, it might've been the C gap to go get the linebacker. He kept going outside and then the ball went into the C gap and he got tackled by, I think it was, I can't remember who it was. might've been a Roshan. They got tackled by the linebacker. Like those are the little things and nuances. Yes. Like the coaches can't make players do it, but if, if your bread and butter, like you're saying, is supposed to be the run game. You better have it on point and have your guys know who the hell to block. Yep. You better. And and the, where I was going with that as well is your best runner in that room isn't under contract next year. Roshan's a huge question mark still, mainly because he got his brain scrambled earlier in the year, and he do, still doesn't look right from what from the kid we saw at Texas. And that could be just an adjustment to the NFL as well. But and Khalil Herbert, you know, he's he is what he is. Like he's a good, solid NFL running back, but I don't think he's like this guy you can hang your hat on as the guy you need. Like, there's a lot of questions still going forward. And it's like, I think we just need to really evaluate this in totality over the next six weeks. Because what if he does get better? What if he keeps showing growth and, and improvement? Like, talk to someone, it doesn't matter, apparently. But, you know, who am I? I'm just a guy who likes football. Just a couple of fanalists getting aggravated. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to dive into this Vikings game a little bit. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. 
Support for this podcast comes from SmartWater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? SmartWater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, SmartWater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a SmartWater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. All right, now, training room roundup. We do this, you know, obviously, as physical therapists, we still got to talk about the injury report, because if I didn't, I would, you know, feel terrible about it. So, boom, here we go. Uh, for the Bears, again, a relatively clean injury report for them. Uh, Kyrie Blasting game was full, which is huge for the run game. Larry Borum will have to see illness. You never know with that stuff. I mean, we saw recently uh, Terrell Smith was out for a long time with mono. So, you know, these things may or may not can be day to day, week to week. Uh, really, the biggest <laughs> one I have on here for me is going to be probably Deonta Foreman. Um, I don't know if maybe you have a difference in thought process for mm-hmm. Lucas Patrick, but um, Deonta, you've talked about this best pure runner on the team really wasn't fully available this last game. Cause he kept getting nicked every like fifth play. It was like, and it was like every good run too. It was like the good runs he'd get up and you were like, he just looks like he's in pain right now. Yeah. It, it's. And then, you know, there was the Tyler Scott fumble and then Deontay had the ball and then he got landed on and then he got shaky. So he dropped the ball. It was, it was that was all funky. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like Foreman. I want him to get the ball more. I, it pains me seeing him block. To be quite honest, he, he's done oh, better. He, he did better. He is useless at anything other than having the ball stuck in his stomach. I, special teams, blocking. I mean, just, he'll catch it in the way, like at just, least. Especially because you're enormous. You're a big running back. Just be a road, be a road road bump at least. Like get get in the way. And then Lucas Patrick, you know, he got obviously got shaken up, had that back issue, and had to leave the game. And you ended up having Feeney come in, who. Justin was not a fan of the timing of his snaps. Just yelling at him. It was so, like, thank God someone is saying something. Like, it... And again, going back to the whole people just want to find reasons to, like, not like Justin or hate on Justin. I can't – there's so many people in my mentions that were like, yep, Justin's got to get that snap off. Justin's, you know, those penalties aren't him. It's like – He's doing everything he can to get the ball from Feeney. And even without Feeney, there were some times where it seemed like, and I don't know if you feel this, Dan, but like the play just gets in late. Like, I don't know why sometimes they're like walking up to the line with 10 seconds to go constantly. I feel like that's been like just a theme of Bears play callers my whole life, where it just takes forever for the damn play call to get in. Whereas like a lot of these teams are walking up with 30 seconds left. They're pointing things out. They're looking around. They're, you know, they're probably you know, hearing their coaches in the headset because they think turns off at a certain time, right? right yeah. Like, it feels like they're getting up there with the headset dead already and you, you're you seeing them just scream at each other. And then Justin's trying to get, like, you know, trying to get someone to come across in motion. You know, there, there's someone that's messed up in the formation and they're trying to do all of this in so little time. And so by the time he's trying to get the snap off and then you add Feeney on top of that who's, like, looking up, looking down, looking up, looking down. And it's like, get the ball off, bro. Just snap the damn ball with your terrible haircut. So, the thing that sucks, yeah, it is a bad haircut. The thing that sucks <laughs> is I will say Feeney's snaps were probably the best I've seen this year, like across the board, like just consistently where you want them with a nice spiral on it. It just the timing of it was an issue. So I don't know. Hope, I don't, it's hopefully almost like they should have been trying to play him at center earlier in the year. But what do I know? No, but of course not. And then we flip over to the Viking side. Uh, the three biggest ones here are going to be the ones at the top uh, on the sphere, but it's going to be TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson. Uh, both are were limited this week so far as of Friday. Uh, we don't have, obviously have the Saturday uh, ones yet because we haven't done that. Justin Jefferson uh, does not care about your fantasy team and will take his time coming back. It sounds like from what, whether it's the, what the team's saying, what some reporters on the Vikings beat are saying that they don't expect him to play in this game, but he might. We still don't know yet. Justin Jefferson does not care about your fantasy team. Not a one. Not not a the slightest bit. And if, um, you're the, and if you're the Vikings, should he care about playing? All things being equal? No. No, absolutely no, not. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> and it's just like I appreciate like so I you know, because I am an avid fantasy football player, I appreciate the 
uh, Austin Eckler's of the world who do kind of play along and they're like, you know, I draft myself on every team if I can. And I, you know, I let my the fans down this week because I fumbled that ball. Like, it's fun to play along with it. But for the fans, if you're one of these people, you suck. Um, who are like slipping into a player's DM and, you know, complaining how trash, like, they are. how trash you are. Why aren't you you're ruining my fantasy season? Get back out here. Like, shut the fuck up. You're, you're uh, a- speaking of Eckler, man, he is, he was never the fastest guy in the world, but he looked slow on that one run. He started to break away on Like he yeah. got, he got to daylight and it's like, Oh man, the limited juice he had is just not th- really there anymore. Yeah. The, that, recent ankle injury has really kind of sapped that. And I mean, hopefully with an off season, he can, he can get it back. Um, such a fun player. Yeah. So fun. What you need to know, this is just going to be kind of our dump for then the last bit here talking about this game. Um, someone that I know I, I had pretty high on my head coaching list last year and that you've even, you had relatively high too, who I think should be getting head coach looks this year for what he's done with his Vikings defense is Brian Flores who definitely gave Justin some trouble in that last game before Justin mm-hmm. got hurt. Uh, I mean, he really doesn't have a ton to work with. They have a lot of guys who left. They have a lot of injuries right now. Uh, not a lot of high draft capital is out there on, on the Vikings side, but they're a decent to solid defense right now. Yeah, we're, we're not allowed to let me talk about Brian Flores because that's just my, that's like probably my favorite defensive play caller in the NFL. And he was actually, if I had to, want to to go find my receipts he's who i wanted as the bears head coach from the word go the second he was fired because i just believe in guys that can coach their ass off like i don't care about the system i don't care about what side of the ball you're on if i believe you can just coach your ass off i'm probably in and i think he can do that but it was it became pretty abundantly clear early on with him that with the pending lawsuit he had with the league and everything that no one was probably going to touch him and then he got his opportunity last year as like a linebackers coach and special assistant with Pittsburgh and then got his job to replace uh, the former Bears secondary coach who was the play caller in Ed Donatel for the Vikings last year. And he should be – he's one of only probably two, maybe three defensive coordinators I would even look at for a head coach, coaching job for any team this cycle just because of the way the league is you need an offensive play caller as your head coach. Yeah, I mean, I'm leaning obviously that way uh, more so I, because – if your offense does well, that's the hope that, you know, whoever is kind of the person in charge there is going to get poached and become a head coach. So you'd like to have that system stay in place throughout the, you know, mm-hmm. the duration of that time. But, you know, if there was someone that I was willing to shift that for, it would be a Brian Flores. Like you talked about, if you read the receipts back uh, during Chicago Audible days when they made that sh- uh, shift to away. Um, and, and with the Iberflus, Flores was my number one, I'm pretty sure, that, you know, didn't even get a sniff for obvious reasons. Um, I mean, so his whole issue, right, when you go back, was A, kind of how he handled players, because he was a little more gruff coming from the Belichick thought process. But then also, there's there a lot of things out of his control there, too, when you read with kind of what was happening behind the scenes. Well, that means, like, he's gruff. He's, he's no nonsense. Like, and I know this day and age when you're – gruff or no nonsense you're seen as like this guy who like just doesn't like his players there's it's also called accountability like i i know personally for me like the people i've always worked best with in my line of work are people who kind of challenge me not just like this is what you do this is how you do it you know we'll get there we'll figure it out it's more like no you need to do this you need to figure it out like let's go like it but that's neither here nor there. He's a, he's a, such a fun play caller, and he's the one who gave Justin the most fits this year yeah. in terms of just here's every exotic blitz you could ever ask for. Figure it out, kid. And people people tend to think Flores is just this blitz-happy fiend, which, I mean, it's just because he max mins you, right? He'll send everyone or absolutely no one, and you have no idea when that's happening or even where that pressure might be coming from. Now, I mean, that's what mm-hmm. he did for sure to Justin because he knew, A, that Justin has struggled against the Blitz, and that B, the offensive line, especially at that point in time, was Swiss cheese. I mean, you could just blow on Cody Whitehair. He was falling over. You know, Darnell Wright's shown some promise, but he definitely has had some times where he's missed some reads when it comes to who's coming off the edge and when. Same with Braxton Jones, actually, too. So when you have that happen, yeah, why, why wouldn't you send pressure? But when you've seen him in the last couple weeks, you know, he is still able to – generate 
pressure from from false looks. He's able to have just more of a traditional drop back where he's not setting pressure, but the defense is still playing playing well. So, I mean, yes, that's the rep he gets because he does a great job with the packages he can create. But at the same time, he does such a good job of disguising not just where pressure is coming from, but if it's coming at all. Right, and really go down the defensive roster outside of Daniil Hunter, who's having a quiet case for DPOI. Like, who's really worth talking about on that defense? Exactly. And that's for us, at least, it's, it's a good storyline because, no offense, I don't heavily care what happens with this Bears defense, Vikings offense. I mean, I'm obviously going to watch it. I'm hoping the younger players, like a Jaquan Brisker, a Kyler Gordon, um, a Jack Sanborn, you're hoping that your, your linebackers you paid make plays, of course. But it's kind of secondary, tertiary in mm-hmm. my brain. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Whatever happens, happens. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you can see a, I want to see Montez sweat. I want him to produce. I want him to get more snaps at this point because he, it wasn't like he was coming off an injury. He wasn't, you know, yeah, he didn't he la- he less than 70% of the snaps. It's, I don't still understand that. I really don't. Um, he was playing for the commanders. He wasn't sitting out. So why are you coddling his snaps? And I, and I care what, Justin and this offense does against the Vikings. Like, so those are my the two things I'm watching. Yeah, rightfully so. That's uh, do you think gonna, the, do you think it's gonna be a concerted effort to get Darnell Mooney more involved in this game, whether it's because by Justin who his BFS with Darnell or by Getzy, just because Getzy seems to flip and flow depending on what the media says? Uh can it be some combination thereof where they're gonna try to dial some stuff up like it's it's so hard for me because it's like the one thing I know like Tyler Scott is supposed to do is by just by his very presence he's supposed to be just hey pay attention to him he can he can take take the top off the defense at any point but it's like at the same time that same ball that he threw to Scott if Mooney is aligned in that same space I have much more confidence that he's probably coming down with that football and still running so, so um, it, I, I think they're going to try to make a more concerted effort. I don't know who by whose volition, though, is the short answer. So I'm just currently kind of looking through the most targeted players in the league just as a whole and just kind of trying to see when the first number two person pops up. And, man, it is far down the list. I'm still not even, I'm still not even there yet. You, not you, not you. I would have guessed Devontae would be like my educated guess. So the first time another player really pops up as like that secondary option up like high here is actually Sam Laporta, tight end for Detroit. Huh. With 69 total targets. Besides that, it's a lot of your wide receiver ones. And then you have... Jacoby Myers uh, is not too far below him with 69. Nice. Um, and then where the heck is Devontae? I mean, Devontae's low. There was a while where he wasn't getting like any looks. I don't understand what was happening there. Basically, my, my point – oh, there we go. Jalen Waddell, here's a good example. He's at 67 targets for the year. Um, you know, And that's like a super pass-happy offense. And that's that's also factoring in yesterday where he finally got – like I think he had eight catches finally yesterday on like 11 targets, I want to say is what it was. So it was fi- that's boosted by that. Like I can tell you, it's just someone who has him in a in a fantasy league that he just has not gotten the ball. I mean, if you want to play devil's advocate, I guess you look where Darnell is. He's at thirty nine targets for the year, so he's averaging three point five per game. He's around guys like Josh Palmer, Michael Wilson, Wandale Robinson, uh, Tony. Guy. Debo Samuel is down here at forty. Well, he's missing games though. Um, but so I mean, he's, so, yeah. he's also not the best receiver on that team. Not anymore. So if you're look, if you're Darnell and you're just looking at the pure numbers, you're like, why am I chilling down here at 39? You know, and then my compatriot of uh, DJ Moore is way up at, as it should be, by the way, at 80. But at the same time, like, I don't know, DJ, are you? He's he's not also getting the open. There's not time from screaming, hey, look, Darnell Moon, he's wide open. Why aren't you throwing in the ball? That's. That's been the whole year, though. It felt like they're just struggling to separate, and it's and the metrics have bared that out too, for the most part. Like they're just not open. Like it feels like, it, and it goes back to the same thing. It's like I feel like when I watch other offenses, especially the good ones, it feels like they're just playing a different sport. Everyone's open, like all the time. <laughs> There's always someone open. 
I just have this like stupid, I have this thing that like sits in my brain, like watching, it'll be the crisper, cleaner image of a Sunday night football or a Monday night football, just because their cameras are better. And it's like wide receiver just sitting open the field gets the ball. And I'm like, how come I never see the Bears do that? How come I never see a guy that's open by just five yards in the middle on a third down and eight? And he's sitting who, nine who yards down actually, the field. Who, yeah. Or if he is seven yards down the field, he can just turn and run for the first down because there's no one there. So you talked about separation. I know this is not a perfect stat, but I pulled up, uh, boom, next-gen stats separation that they track. Um, Cole Komet still at number three, by the way, the 4.2, so uh, whatever that does for you. Uh, But Darnell Mooney is at six, six yards of separation. So, like, not exactly creating, like, the most separation of anyone in the league. So... Again, that's on him a bit. I, I do wonder how much that ankle is affecting his like ability to cut and move. Like I know he's supposed to be healthy now, but you never know. That he might just not be saying anything. It's also I think some of the routes that they, they're dialing up for him too. I, I mean, it brings me back to I can't remember what game it was. It was I think the game before Justin got hurt, maybe. And Darnell ran like three different, I think it was like dig routes to the sideline. And Justin just was struggling to hit that route. So it's like, first of all, stop, call, stop calling that particular route because, you know, Justin missed it a bunch of times. Darnell wasn't running it right a bunch of times. So, you know, dial up, just like we talked about, dial up play calling that's suitable for Justin. Dial up plays and routes that are more suitable for your wide receivers as well. You mean play to the strengths of what you have rather than trying to make square peg fit in round hole? Never, never do that. Um, all right, so let's start to wrap this up yeah. for the Lions. The Lions, geez, I'm looking at things for the Vikings to win this <laughs> game. What is like the main thing that they need to do? Keep the defense on the field, don't let the Bears' offense on. If you can just keep converting and scoring points, like it's going to be damn near impossible to basically make the Bears sack your quarterback. That's like they haven't proven without a shadow of a doubt that they can even do that. Montez was in week three when he finally got his first sack and that there was that double team rate, that chart that came out. He's Montez is only getting double teamed at like 17% of all dropbacks. The Yannick Ngakwe is getting double teamed on 44% of them. Like there it's clear who they respect as a pass rusher, which is absolutely hilarious. Cause if you had to ask me which one was getting double teamed at a 44% rate by my answer would not have been Yannick Ngakwe. <laughs> um, mine, I'll say pretty much just keep, just send the house until the Bears prove that they they can beat the blitz. Yeah. Um, for the Bears to flip that, um, aggressive, that's what I'm going to say, it's just, and to stay that way. Um, if on fourth and ones I and you're in and in positive territory, go go for it. And if you don't, what do you have to lose if you don't get it? Kind of thing. Um, you don't. What you can't win with field goals. We saw that uh, when they played the Lions. You don't win with field goals. Yep. Um, <laughs> so be aggressive there. Be aggressive with your play calling too. Uh, just don't get a. I, this whole next last next six weeks is prove Justin can be the dude. So put the ball in his hands and let him show you can he be the dude or not. It's just that that's it. So, yeah, and I agree with that. And the other part of this that I think we probably should have touched on earlier when we were just kind of vamping and doing our barbershop talk, like the quickest path to winning a Super Bowl is probably still Justin Fields figuring this out. Mm-hmm. Like it's not picking another quarterback and hoping that you figure it out and de- and hoping the development goes the right way. He's shown to be a starting quarterback, as I've already said. And him improving and you improving the roster around him with more blue chip picks that you have and maybe even accumulating more picks with, by say trading out of number one or number two, should you come up with it? Because Justin has proved that, you know what, we can win with this guy. And I get there's the whole contract thing that goes into it. That's not what I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to just purely the player. This isn't the same thing as Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones isn't Justin Fields in his wettest of dreams. Okay. Like, this is a kid who's clearly on the up and up to to some to some ceiling. I don't know what it is. I, I, I used to have an idea. I no longer know what the idea is because I think there's just a lot of scar tissue he's going to be battling through to kind of encompass our show and the physical physical therapy aspect of it. 
like that he's not battling through to become the player he's supposed to be. But like, I just, I think it's so short sighted to just say, yep, you're not winning a court winning anything with Justin Fields as your quarterback. Cause we don't know that yet. Yeah. And then you're going to restart the, the, the evaluation process and development process process all over again, just because you think versus if he shows this over the next six, seven weeks that he is a starting quarterback worth having around. Like it just doesn't, doesn't add up to me. Well, I know you and I don't think this, we've talked about this, but it just sucks. Cause I think there are too many people, whether it's in the general fan base, the media or argue maybe even on the team without having talked to any of those people directly that the win losses are going to matter. So, you know, over these next six games, if Justin, like I read off some of those stats where Justin balled out and big team lost. If he did that for the next six games, if he had a you know total of average of 300 yards over the next six games, and he took an average of one sack per game and he threw and he was accounted for an average of three scores per game. Is that enough to, for the average fan, for the average media member, for the person in that front office who matters, whether it's a Warren, whether it's a Poles, to say he's the guy if you lose all six of those games? That's a good question. The other part is that this is like my PSA to the fan base. Root for Carolina to lose. Stop rooting for the Bears to lose. Eberflus is not savable. At a certain point, these kids that Ryan Poles has picked up from Jervon Dexter Jr. to Tyreek Stevenson to Tyler Scott to Roshan Johnson to Cole Komet even, who's just got his money, you have to learn how to eventually start winning football games. In this sport, I think more than any, because of the grueling task that NFL football is, you are going to have two high picks. But this active like tank commanding for the Bears to lose games, it is just absurd because there's no saving this head coach. Hope for the best. Want to see them score points. Want to see them win a game or two or three maybe. And that's okay. Like if they get to the six wins that we all thought, the six, seven wins in a very blue moon scenario that we all picked them to be in. But this coaching staff is so miserably bad that they've blown things and can't understand how to use their roster. Like, I'm just so tired of this. Like, I know I've talked about this a couple weeks ago with just, it's, it's telling on yourself a certain way. All you do is root for tank losses because I don't know when tanking ends to me, the tanking should have been done, especially with this Carolina pick when it showed that Carolina was one of the two worst teams in football pretty early on too. Until like you said, so I'm, I'm currently looking at Tankathon. Right now, it's it's Carolina, Arizona, New England, Chicago, New York. I expect Arizona to win a couple more games with Connor Murray. Um, I don't know that the Giants will. I have no idea. But let's say for the sake of argument, it ends with it being Carolina, New England, New York, Chicago. That like if that's your your setup, I still believe, and you alluded to this earlier, that your best scenario is that if Justin is good whatever your definition of good is, is that, you know, if you could figure out a world where you get new England to trade up two spots to, for that pick you uh, in that scenario, we're saying giants are number two, they take their quarterback as well. And you get Marvin Harrison at number three. And then at number, what would that be now? Five, four, five, you're taking blue chip talent, left tackle. You're taking an edge. I don't, there's not really an edge. I think right now that separates and all that jazz, but I still think that's the best case scenario. Yeah, I, I personally just don't believe that there's going to be – I don't know that New England, that Carolina is the worst team in football. I think they're one of the two, maybe three worst teams. That Giants thing is a mess. And I know Tommy DeVito did his celebration or whatever where he was mimicking said, the They have three wins, though. That's the thing. They're already at three. They do. They, they do. But I just – that's a brutal football team, man. <laughs> Um, last thing here, then we're going to get out of here. So we're just, just going to make our uh, make our pick. Uh, Vikings are favored by three at home, so it's more or less a pick them. Um, who you got? Nah, Bears. You know what? Screw it. Bears are going to win this week. I'm just I, maybe I'm just talking myself into it. Do I wholeheartedly believe it? No, probably not. But I like they they played. Detroit's not one of the best teams in the NFC. They're one of the best teams in the NFL, and you should have beat them. You had Jared Goff looking like Jared Goof or Jared Goff, whatever 
alter ego of good Jared Goff is. And you were playing really well in offense until the wheels fell off and your coach just refused to go for, go for it on fourth and inches despite – all of the metrics telling you to go for it. And yeah, and, yeah. and you having gotten it the other two times, you went for it on fourth and short. But I digress. So, yeah, Bears figure it out. Josh Dobbs and his uh, fun story are going to run into a tough time against this vaunted Bears front. <laughs> well, and like you said, you know, you're not playing Kirk Cousins right now. You're playing Josh Dobbs. He's a great story. I'm super excited for him. I think he's played himself into at least a very high backup role. Right. But at the end of the day, it's it's still Josh Dobbs. You know, Justin Jefferson's likely not in their run game. You know, that's there's a reason they traded for Cam Akers before he got hurt, is because Madison's been if anemic they, on at the run if game. They don't give Ty Chandler majority of the carries when he's shown to be their most explosive playmaker at running back. You gotta start someone's gotta start throwing things at Kevin O'Connell's head. <laughs> I would, I would, and as a Ty Chandler recent waiver wire pickupper on multiple leagues, I would agree with that. Um, that's what we got for the show today. Uh, thanks for tuning those who tuned in live. Uh, normally, again, we're Thursdays uh, at 5 p.m. Today, a little special for you with the holidays as well as with the Monday night game. Decided to do it this morning. Thank you, Danny, for taking time on your Saturday to do this because, you know, obviously it's kind of a weird time. Um, anything you got left? No, just everyone. I hope, hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving and enjoy your holidays, whatever. It is you celebrate, be it Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever. Just enjoy yourselves. Be safe and don't do anything stupid. Remember, you have Uber and Lyft and every other ride app that can take you to where you want to go. And uh, we are going to still have a show for the bye week. It's going to be a bit of a special one where we're going to have um, at least one, if not two, special guests. Hope that pop in for that one. So you do not want to miss that. Um, plus, we'll kind of just do a kind of a state of the Bears franchise union at that point in time. Uh, maybe you'll dive a little deeper on head coach stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But that is it. Bear down, everyone. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.